I, I brought another toy this week because I thought those lightsabers were really cool last week, but I brought, I brought a puzzle piece with me. I brought a puzzle piece right here. And, uh, and if you want to come up and, and see it afterwards, uh, you know, I'd love, I'd love for you to take a guess at what the entire picture is. All right? So it's green. It's got a little bit of something. I don't know, some uh, antenna, maybe some hair right there. I've got one puzzle piece of a puzzle that has a hundred pieces in it. And here's my dare. Here's my challenge for you. Can you figure out what this puzzle is about by this one piece? Can you? That's my dare. A 100-piece puzzle. I think it's possible. I want to say I think it's possible, but it's, it's not probable. It's not probable for sure. When you open up a box to complete a puzzle, maybe you do that. I love things like puzzles. I mean, it's I got my parents do puzzles all the time, and I'll go there, and they'll have a 500,000-piece puzzle that's out, that's been out for weeks, right? Maybe the whole summer. And I love, I love just jumping in and trying to put some pieces together. This is one of the first that I would grab. It's an edge piece. It's a very important piece. You can't complete the puzzle without, an edge, without all the edge pieces. You've got to start there. There's a, there's a right strategy to putting a puzzle together. There's a wrong strategy. But when I think about community, I oftentimes think about puzzle pieces because they all fit together to form one picture. And, and, and that's just like it is in the community of Christ. And how dissatisfying is it, if you've ever done this, you have opened up a box, maybe it's brand new, probably it's not, and you put the entire puzzle together except for that one piece that's missing. I'll tell you what, I've got two young kids, and it is so often that we take a puzzle out, and we have one or two pieces missing. I'm, in fact, this piece is probably going to be the next missing piece in that puzzle. What are the chances it makes it back home? Well, there's a puzzling question when it comes to the biblical picture that God made us kind of like a puzzle that we fit together, that in community, we, we are made to be with each other and together to encourage each other. And here's what I'm going to say. Here's the big illustration to open today. That you cannot see the entire picture of how God's designed Christian community, our Christian life, if you are like this puzzle piece. Isolated, alone, aloof. You just can't. There's no way around it. And so, and so I want to say this with the greatest gentleness. If you have yet to connect with Christian community, it might be a Bible study, it might be community group, it might even be sticking around at church or showing up early to be able to be with people. My encouragement to you is 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 don't respect our individualism, which we, are, we love individualism as Americans, right? But to a fault sometimes. And our love of individualism, that no one can tell me what to do, and I am my own decision maker, and I will determine what I will do this day. And don't let that keep you from committing to a weeknight or showing up and meeting with people at, at a certain time that you will do life with throughout the week. So don't let our individualism, don't let it keep you from that. 
Because we are. When we come together, we see a picture. And if there's one question that I think, I think undermines this picture of God's community and God's church, it's this. It's Christians today, Christian Americans, ask the question. I've asked it myself, and it's this. Can I be a Christian on the one hand, a follower of Jesus? I can profess to be a Christian, and yet I can be completely detached from the church community. And I'll just, I'll just tell you, it's worded this way today. I can be a Christian and not go to church, right? That's how it's worded. And, and, and it's true, right? You can, right? Like, you, I don't miss church next week, and then all of a sudden, poof, I'm not a Christian, right? I can follow Jesus. And yet, and yet, I think that question is asked poorly. I want to ask it differently, okay? I'm going to ask it differently. It starts the conversation out. It moves forward differently. Can you and I be devoted to God and undevoted to God's people? Can we be devoted to God and undevoted to God's people? That helps us move the the conversation along because we see that when we're devoted to God, it means that we're devoted to each other. I think about this. It matters what you think about kids. And this has changed so much today. Like, it matters to me how people treat my kids, right? Um, if, if, um, if someone comes into my home and they engage in my kids and they talk with them and tell them hi or call them by name, that makes me so happy as their father that you took an interest in my children and my people, my family. That only encourages me to love you more and more. You're giving me more reasons to love you, and, and you do that. But when I look at the wider culture in my neighborhood, when I am out for a walk to the park, when I'm out on South Suburban Trails, do you know that adults are more likely to speak words to my dog than they are to my children. My children get ignored for one reason or another because kids are different today and adults don't want to talk to them, right? That, that animals, I just watched this with Titus yesterday. It was, a, it was a woman and she had a German shepherd and she also had like a seven, eight-year-old daughter. And I saw people come up. We're sitting right outside the Starbucks right here, our, our local Starbucks. And, uh, and uh, the number of people that asked to pet the dog and, and the number of, I saw zero people, zero people that talked with the eight-year-old, right? What do you think God thinks about us when we disengage from his children, the church? What do you think he thinks about that when we're not there to encourage, when we're not there to invest? See, when God saves us in his son, Jesus Christ, he saves us into a community called the body of Christ, that we can't be in Christ and outside of the church We don't even want to go that direction. Ask the question, can I be saved but not a part of the church, not go to worship service? No, that's honestly the wrong question, right? Can you be a Christian and yet run away from the bride of Christ, right? That helps us to answer it, obviously, that no, you can't. They go together. 
That when we are saved into Christ, that means that our desires, our view, how we want to invest in God's people changes. Even when, even when they act a lot like, and here's another church metaphor, sheep, right? And sheep are stinky sometimes. And, and Christians are far from perfect, and they will hurt you, and they will cancel on you, right? They'll set something up, and they'll cancel on you. It's not a big deal. Or what, or what I did, I made a huge mistake, and Rob Sharp can attest to this, but I forgot to pick up my kids. Uh, kindergarten pickup is killing me, right? It's killing me. This half-day kindergarten pickup. So Joel's supposed to be picked up about 11 o'clock, and Rob and I oh, were sitting down to a meeting, and I realized it's 11.20. Oh, right? So Christian, we make mistakes like that. I jumped up. I'm like, sorry, Rob. I have to run, and I have to go pick up my daughter and the rest of the kindergarten carpool. It was terrible. We, we still do stuff like that, right? Right? Far from that. Yeah, here's, my, here's my, my next thought was this. Did the school call Heather, you know? Or can we just pass this off? And the school didn't call Heather. It was amazing. Because Joel and the rest of the carpool kids, they said, well, Pastor Gabe was supposed to pick us up today. So they only called me, which is fortunate. But then once Joel and I got home, what's the first thing that she tells her mom? <laughs> Dad forgot to pick me up, right? Yeah. My kids know how to use guilt, and it amazes me at five years old. Right? So we, it's messy. I'm not saying that it's not messy. You know, um, you know it was so sad. I had, I had a really good friend that was in my community group, and, and he was annoyed by something. There was someone in the group, a different person, who struggled with anxiety. And every week in community group, they asked, would you pray for me? I'm just really worried about what my boss thinks. Or I'm, really, I'm just really worried about this. And it was, it was very clear. There's an anxiety problem. And, and, and my friend just said, Gabe, I just can't be in this community anymore because I don't want to hear that. I just want to be around people that are going to help me be successful. And this guy over here, he kind of brings me down. I thought that was so sad. There was no room in community for people that struggle with anxiety or depression, people that might have mental illness, or, or you know, what if someone is mentally handicapped? Is there room in your Christian community for someone who doesn't have the same IQ that you do? It's a real question. Are you okay with that? Would you welcome them in? It's messy, but I want to say that it is beautiful. Just like when you finish a puzzle, and I'll just tell you this puzzle right here, it's beautiful. If you can guess what it is, I love it. It makes me, it makes me worship God to see the picture that's a part of this puzzle. And the church is even more grand and beautiful, not because we don't still deal with indwelling sin and fail, and cancel, and let each other down, or say the wrong thing. It's beautiful because God's love is poured into his church. I want to share with you that membership is meaningful for this. It's meaningful in two ways. It's meaningful for a local church, because when you join a local church, you're saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, and and I'm a follower of Jesus with this local body. They know me, right? They know me. And it is our church proclaiming and endorsing and saying, you know, count her in the kingdom. She represents us in our church. She represents Jesus. This is as official as we can in our society today in meaningful church membership. Church membership is also meaningful in someone saying, hey, I'm a Christian. I want you to include me. I want you to hold me accountable to Christian community. I I want you to 
to encourage my growth, and I want, you, I want you to, even when we have to have hard conversations, I want you to be able to bring those up because I am committed to living this way, living out the faith. So the Spirit's arrival right here ignites the church, and we see growth, and we see people committing, committing. And, and this is actually a key word. So if, if you circle things in your Bible, there are two words I'd love for you to circle. Uh, it's devoted in verse 42. Devoted shapes this passage. We're going to get into lots of details, but devoted is the key word. They devoted in verse 42. And then in verse 46, in verse 46, and I'd love to know what your Bible says, but the ESV translates this, that they were together in verse 46, together. But did you know that that word together is actually the exact same Greek word as devoted, as is translated as devoted in verse 42? They are the exact same. And what do we want to always look for? Is there an idea that's being repeated in the passage? It's very clear that the description of the local church that's very important to Luke is that they were devoted. But what were they devoted to? And the big idea is this, is that they were single-minded. Another word, I I love it, is unanimous. They didn't always just think the same thing, but they were committed to some things together. And I want to read what some of those things, well, actually, it's really interesting how Luke identifies the church. There's some different ways he identifies the church. He identifies the church throughout Acts as the way, the way to know God, as God's holy people as the church of God, the gathering of God, as disciples. And then we get this family, brothers and sisters. And then then the the final way is actually kind of derogatory. They were called the Nazarenes. You know, they follow that Nazarene Jesus. So they were called the Nazarenes by the religious leaders of Jerusalem in kind of a derogatory term. But right here, we get the idea of they are the ones who are devoted. They are the ones who are together. And I know together is not really, it's not a, a special word, right? But they were unanimous. There was something that glued these people together. And I really think the, the word single-minded describes what Luke is talking about. They were single-minded. And they were single-minded in a number of different things that together they agreed. And the first is that they agreed living in the apostles' teaching, living in the apostles' teaching, that's the first thing. What were, did they have in common? What did they share is that they were believers. And Luke's even going to tell us that later in the passage. Everyone who believed held everything in common. Now, I'm, I'm about to say something that you're, you're like, let's burn this heretic, but agree or disagree with me, okay? Agree or disagree that everyone is a believer. That's exactly right. What do you believe? And here's the truth. The way that God has made us, everybody believes something. But what was it that they believed and held in common? It's what the apostles were teaching about Jesus, his revealed word. For for us, we don't have the apostles today. We do not have apostles today. And watch out when someone claims apostleship because that carried a lot of weight in Acts. So much so that people were committed to what the apostles taught. The crooks today that that claim that kind of authority. No, but we do have the authority of God's word, the apostles' teaching. 
that they've given for us. And, and here's the truth. They believed the apostles' teaching, right? They, they, they might have uh, different diets in different calendars, and some of them might have celebrated Halloween, and some of them might have never celebrated Halloween. But what they had in common was what the apostles taught about the life, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus. That was absolutely central. If you're looking for a good church, it must begin there. Are they faithful to God's word? Do they teach the gospel? You must start there. And don't accept any substitutes for, I can stick around and change this kind of a culture, even though I, and I know that, that the commitment, not just the teaching, but the commitment to God's word is not there. In fact, I'll just, I'll just share with you, uh, six years, September 11th, since, since God brought me to be a part of the work that he was already doing in some of you in Faith Baptist. Now, I remember for a year that I went around to different churches uh, that were kind of, uh, most of them, most of them were in decline and kind of wondering what do we do kind of towards the end of uh, church life. And, and they were wondering, do we close our doors? What, what do we do? And, uh, and I remember there were so many different churches that, that I was in, uh, Baptist and not, right? All different kinds of churches. And I would have gone to a, about any church. I would be open and pray about, except for one thing. There was one criteria and do you know what that criteria was? It was what they believed about the authority of God's word. And it was for this reason. It didn't matter how many people were there. It didn't matter what their finances were. It, didn't, it really didn't matter what their church government was. But if we had a starting point of you believe and are committed to God's word, and so I am, and so am I, I thought there was hope. Because we had common ground there. And if change needed to be led, it could be led through God's word for us to be and to live faithfully as a church. But if I'm committed to God's word and, and we're not as a church, there's really no hope for change. There's no hope of us becoming faithful if God's word is not committed to, if we're not devoted to it. The authority of God carries that kind of a weight. And so here's my question for us this morning. Does it excite you to open up God's word and learn? Because the first description that we get of the church is that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching about Jesus. Is your, is your interest in God's word waning? Or do you wonder if your time could be better spent? I'll just, I'll just share with you. I'm not, you're like, well, Gabe's sharing this. He probably never feels that way. I feel that way sometimes. I do. I do. And so if you do, my encouragement is this. Get with other people that will help you to get into God's word, to walk through it, where you can ask questions. I'll just tell you, community group is a great place where we do that. Bible studies, we have men's and women's Bible studies. They are excellent for this. You know, another one is just, wow, stick around and, and ask questions about the message. You know, Gabe said something, and it was terrible. What do you think? You know, or, you know, does everybody think this about, about, about this verse? Or ask those questions. This place is good and appropriate for that. You're not going to scare us with questions. So ask them. Ask them, we want to learn and grow too. And I learn so much when other people are asking questions that sometimes I'm not thinking of. But we receive the apostles' teaching. Now, this is important. And, and, uh, and you know, sometimes I think we're a little 
you know, too mature. Uh, we're a little too big for our britches sometimes, and I can be this way. But I want to encourage some of us in here, and there, there are some people that need to hear this, not everybody, but there are three things that we do when we come to Scripture as a community. We read together, we interpret, or we explain what does it mean, and we apply it to our lives. When it says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, that doesn't mean they were devoted to listening to sermon after sermon after sermon without life change. Their life was changing as they heard more news about Jesus. In fact, we have this conversation with membership, and we just say, hey, here's our statement of faith. And our big concern is not that, hey, you could explain to me every word or every statement, but as we explain the statements, which we think are very consistent with Scripture, do you believe them? That's really important to us. Do you believe it as it's explained? Because I'm learning new things all the time. But there's a big question. Are, are we ready to read, explain, and apply it? Because sometimes when I look at Christians, I think we're a whole lot more interested in reading, interpreting, and then arguing about the text. Like there's something in our personality that we just want to go head-to-head with people, and the Bible is our means. There is very little life change that comes from reading, explaining, and arguing about the text. And it's obvious that you're not going through life transformation. And here's the plea. Repent of the arguing and move to listening and obeying Jesus. Now, I'm all for good discussion, and we can agree to disagree. But if our fascination is on 90% of the arguing and less than 10% of applying, then we've got a real spiritual health issue in our own soul. And we don't get our community groups together, and we don't get Bible studies together to argue. We get them together to live out what Luke is describing right here, that we're committed to the apostles' teaching, and I want to help you. And when I come to community here as a as a Christian and a member of this church before anyone ever utters the word like pastor, right? What I expect is that you're going to encourage me in God's word too, that I'm going to grow through it. So if that's for you, receive it. If that's not for you, you know, you just keep applying God's word and make community group and Bible study be a rich place for you to read, interpret, and be changed from the inside out, by God's word and his spirit. Okay, here's the second. The second dimension of the church that we see. What were they committed to? The single-mindedness. And it was fellowship. It was fellowship. Now, now some of you might hear the word fellowship and you think food, right? You know, a church has a fellowship and it's got to have food. And, and I, I love that. I love I, I really enjoy eating a good meal. And you know what makes it better is eating a good meal over good conversation with brothers and sisters in Christ. You, you know, um, that God actually has a plan for how he is going to gradually grow us in righteousness, how he's going to change our, our life as disciples. And one of those means is fellowship with other believers, That we cannot, there are things we will glaringly miss in the Christian life if we are not living it out in fellowship with other people. 
looking for it, longing for it. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I mean, I am blessed and you are blessed that we have opportunities for Christian fellowship all around us. Because I'll just tell you, those missionaries we prayed for in the service, you know, fellowship is rare for them. It's rare. And they long for it, but it's rare for them. You and I, we're blessed And so when we hear Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, let's lean into, I want to get together with my brothers and sisters. The author says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as the day draws near. Here is why why you and I can't substitute a podcast for church life. I, I want to grow in knowledge of the word, but I need community that's going to look at me and say, well, Gabe, you're talking about this passage, but uh, you're avoiding living it out in this way. You should really think about that. We need fellowship, the living out the loving one another. We can't grow in God's word without community. Thirdly, here's the third single-minded purpose, breaking bread. Does breaking bread, here's, does it mean remembering the Lord's Supper, which we're going to do this morning? Or does it mean actually having a meal? And that's a big question. A lot of, a lot of people, if you're looking for an argument, well, that, there's one right here in the text. And it's worthwhile. And I'll just share with you, I think it means both. I don't think they took one without the other. We practice that when we come together on Sundays, we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. We typically don't have a meal together on Sunday, right? We don't. There's no church pot, standing church potluck. But I will say this, we try to practice the other part of breaking bread in community groups. That we get together and it's intentional that we have a meal. And in fact, right now, I mean, every one of our four community groups, we have a meal together. And I think that's important. Because you do life over a meal. Conversation happens over a meal. Connecting with one another. I remember, I remember one pastor saying, we all have to eat, right? So why don't we just do it together and be intentional about that? And that's why community groups, we have a meal. I think it means both, and both are important to the church life. I mentioned it last week, but, but this table literally represents that we are of one body. As we take that meal together, we remember Jesus is the one who gives us spiritual life. And the breaking of the bread over a meal, it brings us together as well. And most likely in the New Testament, those were connected here in Acts. But the fourth one is prayers. They prayed together. Now, this isn't to say that you know praying on your own as an individual is bad, But it's saying this, that when they came together, they made a point that they took time to pray, that that was important. And so prayer is not just in isolation. It's just between me and God. It was the rhythm of the church. And we're going to see in Acts that as the church comes together, they pray. As the family of God faces a challenge, they pray. That they prayed often. It was the lifeblood of their community whether it was in the temple or whether it was at home, they prayed. In fact, we're going to see in the next chapter, Acts 3, next week, that they're meeting in Solomon's portico at the temple. And that most likely some of them were meeting every day. Maybe not everybody, 
um, but they were meeting every day for a little bit to pray together, that that was important in the community life early on. Maybe the greatest encouragement is this. The greatest encouragement to someone this morning is that, is that you find out their prayer request. That you pray for them before you leave. You maybe even pray with them. That is some of the greatest encouragement that we can offer people and it is also one of the ways that the greatest witness we have to the world that we would pray for people as a church. Now look at this. They were single-minded together and there was an effect. There was something that happened as they lived this out faithfully. There was awe. They were in awe and wonder, not at Disney, right? They were in awe at what the apostles were doing, the signs, the wonders. And a lot of times I think, wow, would our awe grow, you know, if, if we experienced signs and wonders today, just like in the apostles' day. And the truth is this, and this is going, this is going into a little bit of conjecture, but I don't think that their awe and wonder was at, look at what Peter can do. I don't think that was it. And I think we're going to see it as we look further into what Peter is going to preach. And it's this, that they had awe because they knew that what Peter was doing was ushering in a new era of grace. That they were in awe that this is the day of repentance. That we can turn to God and we know that we have hope. That they were in awe at all that they had read in the prophets and what we've looked at in Joel is being fulfilled. It wasn't just in the signs and wonders. Like, it's amazing what they can do. It was in what it meant. Now, that leads us to, that leads us to the second thing that we see, the effect of the apostles teaching, praying together, breaking bread, fellowship, that they cared for each other. Cared for each other. That care is, is described in powerfully amazing ways. In ways that I say, oh, man. I'd be so fortunate to find that kind of care in the church. And we are. We are. It says right here that they held everything in common. And what this means, the heart of this, is that they were generous with each other. And here's what I mean. It wasn't just supporting the organization. It wasn't just giving to the organization. They heard about needs. This person needs, and they were very obvious needs. They were food and shelter. They were basic needs, and they met every one of them. If you can imagine life uh, at Pentecost, you have people that traveled to Jerusalem from all over the known Roman world, and they become Christians, and they follow the way, Jesus and they enter into this fellowship and family of brothers and sisters, and they did not go back home. They stuck around. They didn't have a job lined up. There were so many details, and yet they stuck around. I need to be a part of this community. You know, we, we go from Pentecost to one day to then, this is the day-to-day. -day. This is what things look like. And you can imagine, you can imagine what that was like, but there were needs because of this unique movement People needed to be cared for. There were widows. There were vulnerable people that needed help. And there was a spirit of generosity that the church was known for. They took care of people. 
right? Caring for people is so important. Paul brings up that you and I better take care of our family because if we don't, you know, we're, we're worse than an unbeliever, he says, that that's important. But right here, we see a next level of not just taking care of, of our biological family, but taking care of the church family. Now, a lot of people mistakenly take these words and throw around things that are terrible and destructive. Like, for instance, I'll just, um, Max Weber calls, uh, calls what's happening here, this generosity, he calls it Christian communism. And he calls it that wrongly, wrongly. This is not communism right here. And it's just step number one. You need to know, here's the reason why. They, they were selling what they had, personal property, in order to contribute to real needs. And I'll just tell you, under communism, they would not have anything to sell and give to meet these needs. What was happening was that people were taking things that were theirs and they were contributing as people had needs. It wasn't a, I just went and sold everything. I just, I just gave it a one-time gift. It, no, it was as someone needed something, I made sure to take care of them. And we see that generosity in huge ways, right? It, it wasn't one day of I sold all my jewelry and I sold our house and I, I sold every asset we had and just gave it. That wasn't the picture here. The picture was there was a need. We felt the responsibility of I better liquidate something and meet that need, I am going to fund this ministry. Jesus' ministry is advancing, and, and I want to give to it. This is not Christian communism. People still held personal property. And, and a lot of people like to take this passage and, and justify it for communism. And what I'm saying is that really misses the picture here. Acts 2 is not describing someone's idea of utopian government control. This is a passage about the spirit of generosity within the body. And here's what you and I better take away from it. Not that, but this. Is that just like, just like if, if one of your kids had a real need, that you as a parent would want to meet that need or if your parents had a need, that you would really want to meet that need. And that is a good, godly desire. But do we think about our church family or who's in our community group and what their need is? Do we have that kind of relational bond and care? Because that's how the first church was. You and I need to take this as an encouragement to I should ask the question, are you guys meeting your budget? How's family life? Where are you guys thriving? Is there any place you're not thriving? That those are good questions that say, I care about you, and they should be asked. Those are appropriate questions within the body of Christ. Now, I want to I follow up with this. How do, how do we identify the church I think this is a good question because we get some identifiers right here. And first of all, we see that the church is identified more by its community than its worship service. We, I mean, we really kind of flip that as American Christians, but we need to see that in the 21st century, we have almost essentially divorced Christian community from the Sunday morning worship service. It's almost. 
You know, even, even back when um, uh, I, I was uh, being coached by the North American Mission Board, it was, uh, it was a question of, Gabe, are you going to plan a church that has a rockin' worship service and people just want to come to that, right? Like that's, and that's what you're going to do. Or over here, you're not going to do that, but instead you're going to plant what we call missional communities, where community is the first piece. It's the priority. And, and it, was am, it was amazing. It was amazing how those were talked about. It was like, you can do one. You can do the other. You can't have both. I was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. I'm going to work really hard at worshiping Jesus passionately, but also community being a priority. And you know what? You know what? While I think that's biblically wrong, I think my mission board was on to something. There are a lot of people in our community that want a worship service and nothing to do with community. And maybe you felt that. And I'll confess, I felt that at times. Ah, this is a lot of work, but it is worth it. And so I want to share a few more specific reasons of why people might want church or that worship service, but not community, okay? And, and if this is where you're at, I want to share this, that, that Jesus is helping you hammer, hammer that nail by the head, all right? So the first is this. The reasons why, why sometimes we want church but not community is this, is because I have a consumer mindset. I'm looking to gain something, and I'm not looking how I can invest and give when it comes to community, you have to invest, right? You have to invest. There's only so many weeks you can go to community group and not bring any food, right? You know, it's like, then you, you got to start contributing. And it's not a scheme. That's how community works, right? We care for each other, and that's one way we can do it. The second is just a lack of commitment. It's just we as people and the individualist individualist individualistic mindset makes it hard for us to commit to something like community or a group or meeting together that you can depend on me to be there. It's rare today to find someone who says, I want to commit to my community and to invest in them. It's rare. We are blessed to have so many of those people leading and shepherding community groups. It's amazing. But that is rare, a lack of commitment. The third is this, busyness busyness, right? It's kind of like everybody's a believer. Everybody's busy with things. It's just the question of what are you busy with, right? And it's going to ebb and flow in different seasons. And we do community groups. We do them um, starting in the fall, in September, and, and we take a little break for the holidays, and we finish up all the way to, to May. Um, so we take breaks, and there are different levels and different, different rhythms of life. It's just the question of what are you busy with, and, and I'll tell you what, there's, there's, I've, been, I've been thinking about, my wife really challenges me with this, Gabe, where do you want to grow in, in, uh, in next year? And so uh, for me, 2023, uh, one of the things is I want, I want a vision of eternity. I'm trying to figure out how to frame that, but I want a vision of eternity. Literally, what am I doing today that is going to matter for all eternity? And am I busying myself with things that are temporary too much? And, and I'll, I'll tell you, we've constantly got to fight busyness. 
to where it's just my lame excuse for every good thing that God is saying, no, do this, plug in to community. Four, people avoid community because of shame. Man, it is easy to get dressed up and wear a mask on Sunday morning. (laughs) Everything's okay. I'm fine. I'm all right. It is so much harder over dinner and Bible study and prayer where someone is asking me, hey, what can I pray for you to keep that mask on? It is so hard. I'll tell you what, it is so good, though, to take that mask off around community that you know they will care for me, they will pray for me, they will listen to my confession and still love me. It is so good to take that mask off. Individualism, but I I already kind of hammered individualism home, so individualism. That's one reason we don't commit to a community. We'd rather have my own thoughts. I'd rather you know, come up with my own desires, my, my own decisions, and I don't need the community to be a part of that. Other people to speak into it. A lack of understanding of what biblical community is and how it's lived out. And then lastly, um, because in biblical community, there's, a, there's an invite to lots of different kinds of people. And just like I shared with you, my friend, he's like, hey, I'd love to have a community group, but I want an elite community group where they're going to encourage me to be a good producer and make lots of money. And, and, and I don't need someone with anxiety in my community group. We want to invite some people, people that are like me, people that encourage me to be better at me. And there are some people I want to exclude. And we don't like authentic Christian community because there are a lot of different shapes to these puzzle pieces. Authentic Christian community, though, says that there is room for lots of different people that are different than me and that God actually designed a church and community that I would be around people that are more mature and less mature than me that I would be around people that know God's word better than me and and people that need my help and my insight sometimes. It's the same for you. You and I need transformational community. Don't accept church without community. You absolutely need it. Why is that important? It's this. I want to end with this. Because God is present in his people, plural, We as Christians, we love the first part of Acts 2. Pentecost and the Spirit indwelling me. I love that. Man, that fuels me as an individual. But the picture is actually this, that God's Spirit is dwelling in us, everybody who is in Christ. And that that is a powerful picture for our community. And that our knowing God deeply must also be connected to knowing one another that you and I cannot grow to know God deeply while standing aloof from the community of Christ. Our God is present in his people, plural. And there is great blessing from God as we invest in his community. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you that you you have blessed our community, and you have not just blessed our local community, but I think about so many different churches, and I think about the universal church throughout all history, and I think about some of the the great Christian men and women whose, whose footsteps we walk in, who had the same spirit, 
And then I think about my brothers and sisters that I'm alive with right now. God, I pray that you would make us great encouragers. And I pray that you, would, you wouldn't allow us to live our Christian walk with you separated from Christian community. That we would accept nothing less that we connect with one another in authentic Christian ways. God, you have made us to be together. And so I pray that you would help us as we think about our devotion to the church, that you would help us to know what is faithfulness. I don't want extreme piety for our church, Lord. I just want faithfulness. Lord, help us to define what faithfulness in community is. And God, I pray that if there's anybody in here that's feeling like, I'm just not connected with community, that, Lord, today you would remedy that, that you would give them the motivation to, to desire that and, and the wisdom to know which ways to, to connect with other people. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.